One common reason why fire sales and defaults exist and people losing money in properties is because they didn't calculate the mortgages properly early on. Is your mortgage loan so important that it can make or break your property purchase, be it for your own stay or investment? You bet your money, it can. With that said, how can you then prevent yourself from purchasing the wrong property due to insufficient knowledge about mortgages? You'll find out in this episode. If you're curious about this important yet mostly neglected part of people's property purchase journey, listen on. Let's go! Hey guys, I want to give a special shout out to our Instagram page. If you have yet to follow us there, what are you waiting for? Follow our cute little coconut for great reminders, content snippets, and great vibes to perfume your day. We know you'll love it as we expand our ecosystem to journey with you every step along the way. So come on to the Financial Coconut Instagram page now. Tag us whenever you see some interesting stuff. Help grow our community together. Link is in the description below. Welcome back to another day on Coconut Avenue. Join us as we explore various property insights, investment strategies, and challenging property myths out there today. We'll be bringing on investors and experts in the game to share with us their insights and stories to better prepare us for our journey. Whether you're looking at your first property or building a bucket of gold through properties, there's something for you here. Ultimately, it's about helping you find your unique game plan. Our guest today is a driving force in the mortgage industry for almost 10 years. He started out at DBS specializing in mortgages and rose to become branch business senior relationship manager. He then led the mortgage department at Money Smart before co-founding Mortgage Master in 2019. He's here today to talk about something so important but almost always neglected in a property purchase journey until their last stage. What I'm referring to is the mortgage loan. Let's welcome David Bay. How is the credit score in Singapore calculated? Credit score in Singapore, unlike, you know, if you watch movies in the US, everybody literally has a score, like an SAT <laughs> score. Like, yeah. my credit is 1,600. <laughs> Woo! You know, so in Singapore, it doesn't work that way. It literally is taken as um, the past 36 months credit rating so every single card you have, every single unsecured facility you have has a credit rating that starts from star, which means you don't use the card, yeah. to A, means you pay on time, all the way to like H, means you default. Mm. <laughs> okay? Uh, so that is, you don't use the card, you pay on time and you pay in full. And you pay on time and you pay minimum sum, all can be seen on the credit bureau. So banks will actually use that to assess how a person's repayment capability as well as repayment forthcomingness. I have seen cases when I was an ex-banker, seen cases get rejected. And um, the credit team actually, like the guy has high income. TDSR is within norm. That's how we, we deem it. Credit reject his loan. Why? He said the guy, literally the word they tell me on the phone was, he tell Kwan. <laughs> Why? He got money to pay, but he don't want to pay the credit cards on time. So we, we don't want to take this customer. So this is actually how um, the, the way banks used to assess the ability is through the credit bureau. And you can see every single facility. You can see the amount owed, where, how much, whether you pay in full, whether you pay minimum sum, everything can be seen on credit bureau. Yeah. Wait, wait, you say something like TDSR? Yes. Acronym, right? Can, can, can we know what's TDSR? Okay, so uh, since 2012, um, the law was made by MAS that all banks, when you're buying a new house the loan must be calculated through TDSR, Total Debt Servicing Ratio, 
which is 60% of the income, gross income that you earn. Uh, for HDBs, you've got to pass TDSR 60% as well as MSR 30%, which is just mortgage servicing ratio. So what's the difference between TDSR and MSR? TD is total debt, all liabilities. MSR is just mortgage. So TDSR includes all your personal loans, car loans and all yes. that stuff? So for example, if you earn 10K a month, and the TDSR is supposed to be 60%, right? So you have 6,000 spare. That's your total debt. Um, from this 6,000, uh, we will just do the reverse calculation. Your monthly installments for mortgage can only be up to $6,000. Yeah. Then I'll reverse engineer and find out what's your maximum you can borrow. Now, from this 6,000, if you have a car loan of 1,000, suddenly for mortgage, you only have 5,000 left. Yeah, so that's total debt servicing ratio. Okay, okay, that's cool. And, and there's this part where you talk about like star and A. Right, and yes. under the credit credit score. Yeah. Right. Is it credit score or credit rating? Credit it's, rating. Credit rating. Yeah. Okay. So score is for companies. Uh is there a difference then? I, I think it's just lingo that people use. Okay, so it's know. just lingo, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you know, finance people always got a lot of lingo. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we want to clear this up, okay? Yeah. So essentially credit score, okay? So um there's a difference between star and A. Yes. Uh, and and star means like you do not use at all, right? Yes. So you have access to credit, but you do not use it. Yes. And A means you have access to credit, you use it and you pay it in full. Or on time. Right? Or on yeah. time, right? That means you are a very good credit uh, user, like yes, essentially correct, you pay it correct. back. Right. So is there a difference in terms of like how am I viewed by the companies? Is star better than A in that sense? Yes. Okay, so let me just Yeah, go because back. you know some people will talk about yeah. this thing, right? Essentially. Let me go back to the original. Huh? Yes, yes. I have yes, clients yes. who tell me I do not have a single credit card or cash line mm. or car loan mm. and they think that it's good. It is great in my opinion but it's not good when they access your credit because there is no repayment capability for a bank to access. Okay. Yeah. okay. yeah so if you just got a new job and you do not have credit cards yet but your job is super high earner like um, luckily you joined Goldman Sachs and they pay you twenty thousand a month for a reason, mm, and, you and, you wanna, and you want a and you want a two million dollar loan. <laughs> the bank may not lend it to you first because I'm firstly not sure whether the job is real. So normal person like myself who have worked for many years, I joined Goldman Sachs first day at work. Bank will lend me already, but then for this guy, they will say maybe let Goldman Sachs pay you two months first. Let me really prove that Goldman Sachs is really paying you. Mm. I need to see your first pay come in. Mm. So no credit at all is a good thing in life but a bad thing because banks cannot assess your repayment capabilities. They can't mm. judge you whether you're yeah. reliable. Yeah, yeah. So star, star is good because you have a credit line means another bank has already assessed for me that you can get the credit facility. So I don't have to assess it myself. Mm. That's why one bank lend you something, other banks will lend you the same thing. Mm. More lah, you know. Mm, mm. The next thing you asked was A and B. Now, the liabilities that affects your TDSR, like I said, 6000 for a 10K income, then you got a car loan, 1000 suddenly your TDSR is maximum for mortgage is just 5000 right? The other thing that affects it is your minimum sum payable. Those are all liabilities. So each credit card, if you use $100 on one credit card, your minimum sum payable is $50. If you use $1,000 on the credit card, your minimum sum payable is still $50. Mm. Or uh, the, the, the statement will say it's $50 or 3%, whatever is higher, mm. correct? So, if you only have one credit card and you are getting a home loan and you want the maximum loan due to reasons that you need that loan, right? If you use one credit card, your liability is just $50. If you spend $1,000 on one credit card, liability is $50. You spend $100 on 10 credit cards, your liability is $500. Yeah. So then I would advise you to maybe before you take the loan, you have a 
credit diet, you know? Yeah, yeah. You just I don't even know why card. you got 10 card in the first place. Yeah. Like. Some, some people like to play the rebate game, <laughs> uh, like my uh, mother. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, these this points here, this cash uh, The amount here. here, this point, yeah, that yeah. thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, pay my Singtel bill for me, then mm. use her card to pump the petrol station. Uh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah. So that, <laughs> some people that, like to play uh, that yeah. game. Retirees need something to do. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> but, yeah, but she makes a few hundred a month, bro. That's pretty okay. decent money, you know? That's cool. But, yeah. but the clarity is that, you know, star is better than... You know, a. a and star is definitely better than if you have no credit line at all. Correct. Right. So once you Correct. indirectly, am I hearing that once you have a stable job, even if you don't use credit cards, uh, go and apply for some sort of credit facility so that you you are considered star in the credit uh, rating agency. Yes, I would advise that. Okay, so Correct. that's that's your that's your viewpoint. You don't don't need to use it, but at least you must yes. be approved of a credit yes. line. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to have at least one credit card, lah. Mm, you know, mm. when you go overseas mm. and stuff like when that. When you go dating. Yeah. I mean, I forgot what dating is like already. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Good stuff. Thanks. Yeah. Mm. Uh, make sure you pay. Like I said, one credit card is better than 10 mm. because it affects your TDSR. Yeah. And is there no like um, clear in terms of like, oh, if I'm an A, I definitely get my uh, mortgages. And my, if I'm a B, then I don't guarantee get my mortgages. Like, how, how does that work? Mm. You know, because uh, credit rating, credit score, this kind you, of you, stuff. You are exactly right. Actually, Bs, if you have many, many Bs, uh, you have a problem. Uh, don't say C. Uh. B itself is a problem. If you are using multiple cards, 3, 4, 5, 10 cards, right? Only one has a B. As the banker processing your loan, I will find the excuse for you. I'll be like, hey, Reggie, why is this B? then you can actually tell me, oh, my salary comes in on first, but I have to pay this bill on, on sec. I don't know, you know, like a, a, a date, or, or I'm working overseas, or oh, actually this card uh, is a sub-card for my mom, then every month she pays it. Okay, but to get a B is actually very difficult, you know. Um, a lot of people have the misconception when I ask them, you must pay your credit cards on time, uh, you're good. Say, uh, no, leh, I got a problem. I, I, I consistently always pay like one week later, two weeks later, I forget. Uh, sorry, B uh, is only 30 days later. So if you pay the penalty to your bank and then you only pay one week later and you're willing to pay the penalty, it doesn't affect your credit bureau. Credit bureau is 30 days later. Mm. Then it becomes a B. So it's quite fair uh, if you think about it. Yeah. Then if you have a few cuts and only one has a B, I can explain it away. If you have a few cuts and a lot of them have Bs, you are one of the people that I said in earlier, the, the credit was, team will say you chao kwan you don't want to pay on time. Then what makes you think that if I lend you my mortgage, you will pay on time? So I will not lend you money at all. I just want to avoid this situation. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. And it's all reference based on what the bank decides whether they want to lend you, right? This, this yes. score is it's like an information for them to then decide whether, Correct. okay, do I want to lend to this person based so, on the score? So the total debt servicing ratio is a law. Mm. Everything else is by guidelines. So every okay. bank has different guidelines. Okay, okay, cool. Clarity, like, nice, good stuff. Yeah. So other than the payments for your credit, let's say, what are the other factors that will affect your credit score? Credit score is literally just tracked by this, but mm. it's, they can see your history. Yeah. So of course, bankruptcy is very obvious. Um, Reads of summon or, or anybody who have sued you or uh, your company before, or if you had a bad credit even in 2004, 2005, like 15 years, 16 years ago, it still will be reflected on the credit bureau. It doesn't yeah. disappear. Okay. Yeah. But if it's cleared, it will be reflected that it's cleared. So people may ask you if it's too big a question. But other than this usage of credit, unsecured facilities or, or car loans, which is secured facilities, 
Um, that's literally how credit bureau is is determined and assessed by the banks. Actually, what's unsecured facilities? Credit cards and um, cash lines, stuff like these are unsecured facilities where there's no asset backing it. Oh, but okay. you see, a car loan has an asset backing it. Yeah. So the interest rate is a lot lower than a credit card. Credit card, if you don't take a package, is like 24 to 28% today. Car loan is effective interest rate is 2 to 4%. You know, there's always a flat rate and there's an effective rate. Huh? Make sure you look at the effective. Huh? Housing loan effective rate, less than 2%, like 1.2, 1.3. Why? The more secure some asset backing the loan, the cheaper the interest rate because the bank is not afraid you run away. There's still asset to take back. Yeah. And the house is not a depreciating asset, technically. A car is a depreciating asset. That's why interest rates are higher. Credit cards and cash lines have no asset backing it. Um, so the interest rate is even higher. I see, yeah. I see. Mm. Can you give me a little bit of clarity? I know this can be a little bit cheesy, but what's the difference between like effective interest rates and flat interest rates? Because, you know, it's like it's used everywhere, okay. you know, and <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, right? What is what is the exact amount that I need yeah, to this pay? Yeah, is, this is going to be technical. I want to jump tech full technical, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so let's say you take a 1% loan on a 10K per annum, 10 years. A flat rate will be like this. 1% for 10 years is 10%, right? Yeah. So today, for the next 120 months, you owe me 10,000 plus 10%. You owe me 11,000. I divide it by 120 months. That's your monthly installment. Okay? So I take the 1% interest on the 10K for the second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year, all the way to the 10th year. Now, that is flat rate. So what is the real effective interest rate? I'm sorry, I can't do it. I can't do quick maths. So I have to use a calculator. <laughs> but for mortgage, where it's called effective already, is 10K. Okay, so I divide it by 120 months. You don't pay me that same number throughout. You pay me the same number throughout, but I'll do some algorithm in it where the first month when you pay me, let's say it's $100, your interest is 1% per annum. So I'll take 1%, divide by 12 months, that's your interest for the first month. The second month when you pay me 100 bucks, let's say $95 goes to the, the principal. You only owe me $9,905 now. Mm. I'll take the $9,905 and then times the 1%. So every month, your interest is lesser because your principal is reduced. That is effective interest rate. So in other words, the effective one, over the 10 years, you'll pay a lot lesser? Lah. Yes, a lot lesser. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So car loans are front-loaded. Ah, so the terms, you know, like, like Reggie said just now, there's a lot of lingo and, 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 yes, and yes, terms yes, used, yes. right? That's why we are here. Yeah. Right? Yes. So when they say effective interest rates, it means it is not front-loaded. If uh, flat rates are front loaded, oh. which means like I said, your one percent is at times twelve years. So all it's just you owe me ten percent, I front load on ten thousand upfront. So now mm. you owe me eleven thousand. Mm. Yeah. Okay, okay. A lot of installment plan also do this kind of weird yes. things. Yes. So every time you must see the bracket EIR, uh, that is actually the thing that you should compare. So basically the only things that as consumers we can do to improve our credit score is just to focus on paying the credit cards on time. Yes. Okay. Uh, actually, I mean, it's not like I don't use credit cards in my life. It's yeah. not like I always used to pay in full. Yeah. Although I strive to. However, financially correct advice is please use your credit card but don't ever pay the interest. Always yeah. pay it in full. Yeah. That's the financially correct advice. Yeah. There's something, you know, that's out there always. People always say that you should get a property as, as young as possible if you can. And the age of 35 always comes out. They say it will be it will benefit you a lot la, for your mortgage. But why is that so? Uh? Can you explain it to us? 
the age of 35 comes up, I actually think not due to anything to do with finance. Uh, yeah. But because that's when you can buy a HGB as a single. <laughs> so, mm. so I think that's more, why... More people say yeah, single. Yeah, more people uh, will stay. Yeah, yeah. yeah people <laughs> will say the, the number 35. Oh, la. okay. Yeah. Hey, well, there's a trick here. Uh, this is something that I can say because people know this trick. Um, if you're going to get married and you're 34 this year, maybe you get married after 35. Then husband go and buy one HGB, wife go and buy one HGB. Then after that, you get married, you got two HGB. Because mm-hmm. HGB you is the nicest you. So that's a that's a that's a loophole there essentially. Um, but oh. you delay your life uh, for yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can't buy BTO because a valuable HGB is normally minimally three room, but four room or five room is better. Mm. HGB rental you is the best compared to private. Mm. Easily, okay. Give an example: a five room HGB flat at a decent estate will cost you about six hundred plus thousand dollars. I can rent it out at two thousand eight. Sounds like Bidadari. Yeah. Ah, uh, Bidadari <laughs> may be even more expensive. That's a BTO. Yeah, very expensive. So today, I buy resale 600 plus K. I mm. can rent out 2008 or let's do a um, estimation 30,000 a year. Mm. That's 5% you on 600 K. Mm. But to get the same 30,000, I need to buy a 900 K condo. That is 3% you only. Mm. Right? Mm. So mm. the yield on HGB is higher than than condominiums on private property when it comes to rental income. Yes, but we are not recommending you to buy anything or this is this is for educational purposes only. Yeah, yeah, of only. course, of course. <laughs> only, yeah. Capital appreciation for pro- private property is higher than HGB. So, exactly. you know, there's always pros and cons. So always a lot yeah. of discussion. There's always pros endless, and cons. Yeah. Endless. Okay, cool. Then, if let's say I've decided that I want to buy a property, okay, I, I want to get something, um, then I want to know how much I can borrow, right? Because everything yes. that we've talked about before is pre-borrowing. Now, I want to talk about like, how much can I borrow? Like, what actually affects my total loan quantum? You know, other than the whole TDSR portion, right? Like, do, do people look at my income, my liability, my age, you know? Uh, all, all those things, the matter's not, right? When yeah. I'm trying to borrow money. So, you actually answered your question because uh, <laughs> the maths formula to calculate um, the loan eligibility actually has just these algebraic things which, which <laughs> you actually just said. Your age, your income, your liabilities, and the interest rate. So, the interest rate, Thankfully, uh, since 2012, the government said that to find loan eligibility, we need to base on a 3.5% interest rate. Although, thankfully, in the market, it's slightly less than 1.5 now. Um, the reason is, and I think it's very good, the government makes sure that you count at 3.5. In case interest rates go to 3.5, you can still afford the monthly installments. It's a buffer. Yeah, it's a buffer. Because we don't want a subprime crisis to happen in Singapore, right? And that's exactly how you, you do, the, do the calculation. So, any loan calculator out there... Behind it is just mathematical formulas. The key point is understanding all these terms like income. Employment income has basic pay. Self-employed, basic pay, I have to take a 30% haircut. I only take 70% of your income. Uh, Commissions, bonuses, I also have to do a formula behind that. Something called weighted age average. If you are 35, your wife is 33, and you think the average age for loan tenor, another one of the factors, is 34 years old, so you can take a, a longer loan tenor. The answer is not that. It's because the age is weighted towards a higher income person. So there's all these things out there which, I would say the formula is simple, but there's too many variances. That's why you need a specialist, a consultant to mm. help you. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to tell anyone I'm doing rocket science. It's actually pretty easy maths. But the too much variance on factors to consider, to add into the maths to make it accurate. Yeah. yeah. Does your mortgage tenure, let's say 10 years versus 30 years, affect your loan quantum as well? Definitely. Because it's a direct uh, translation from the total debt servicing ratio, which means your monthly liability. So a 10-year loan tenor versus a 30-year loan tenor, the installments is three times higher 
That's why your loan is three times lesser. Mm-hmm. So the 30 years one... Can borrow more. Can borrow more, okay. Mm-hmm. Or if you borrow the same amount, the installments is three times smaller because you're paying it over three times longer. And just now you said something in a, in a tonality about like maxing out your mortgages. Okay. Right. So, so I, I'm curious. Like, like, what are your what? What is your take on that? If because like I can I can max out. Right? I can I can loan whatever. Like, if I make ten thousand, I loan max six thousand. I only buy a house. I don't own car. Nothing. That's my max. Right. But um, you you had this tonality like you know like ah <laughs> uh, you know if you want to max out you max out that kind of vibe right. So, uh, yes. so it's like so like what's the best practice like how should I go about looking at this thing? Okay. So this is uh, purely my opinion because yes, everybody yes, yes. can have their own choices. Of course. Of course. Um, if you're super bullish on the property yeah, market, you exactly, want to double down, exactly. and that's a different thing. And right? it's and it's also based on your own preference, risk preferences, your own uh, life choices, right? So I personally just bought a house. I was looking at a condominium for the longest time. The last one month, me and my wife decided, let's buy an EA. Mm. A, a HDB that costs too much, but costs 900000 Which area, man? Bishan. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay so okay. outside of the central region, right? Mm, mm. Bishan has the highest $1 million HDBs. Mm, mm, uh, so I, I only nine hundred. dollars I always I, hang out at Bishan Park. So I know. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> it's a 1,570 square feet uh, HDB. So it's, it's an EA. Uh, it's quite big. Um, but why did I do that? Because anyone, any banker, any property estate agent, and myself in the industry, like I just said it just now, I'm buying to stay, uh, not buying to rent. Uh, so I don't care about rental you. Capital appreciation is better for private than HDB. I said it just now, but why I still buy? Um, not because of the long-term mats. It's because of the short-term mats. I'm a founder of a startup. You don't pay yourself big bucks as a start as to start the company when you start the company, <laughs> la, You know, so so it's just pure conservativeness, not due to the investment brain or all that. No, it's, it's at the end investment brain was why we wanted the condo, but conservativeness and cash flow is why we, we in the end ended up with a HDB. All right, so you talk about maximum loan. Well, I feel that everyone has to answer three questions before they decide on what property they want, and if any housing agent ask you these three questions or any mortgage consultant does not ask you these three questions, it actually determines, in my opinion, whether they are good or bad. Okay. The first question is, uh, people think it's going to be very cheap, difficult questions. It's actually super simple. The first question is, as you mentioned, loan eligibility. So, off my head, because I've done too many loans in my life, <laughs> a 20-year loan, if you earn, oh, if you earn 20K a month and you can take a 20-year loan, you can borrow $2 million. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's say I'm 45 years old. So that's maximum age is 65. So I can take a 20 year loan. Uh, earning 20k a month at 45 is a pretty decent income, I must say. You're considered top one percent. Co- correct, yes, right? Yes, yes. But you know, some people don't get there. Some people climb the ladder to get there. Some people maybe they are just senior manager. Then suddenly the CEO recognize, wow, you have been working your ass off. Can I say that word? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> You've been working very hard for the past few months <laughs> or the past two years. <laughs> We family friendly, yes, but we are okay, or okay, yes, yeah. okay, yes. You've been working very hard for the past few years, and I recognize that you've been doing carrying the department suddenly from 10k, boom, 20k. Mm. Okay, so this guy mm. now can take a two-mill loan. So proud, he goes home, he tells his wife, let's buy a big house. Mm. So he goes to buy um a 2.5 mil house. Mm. Okay, sorry, 2.6 mil house because that's a 75% loan, right? Mm. Then he realizes that, hey, I only just started earning 20K. I'm eligible. First question settled. I, I can loan 2 million. Second question, do I have the down payment and the stamp duties? I need 688,000 for down payment and stamp duties. Have or not? 
well, I only just got this high salary. Have I saved that much money? Mm. So second question is, can you afford the down payment? Mm. And these two are still easy to answer. You can have CPF, right? You can use as down payment. The last question is the most important. Are you okay with the monthly installments? Because I can earn 20k a month. Everybody has different preferences, different ways they want to use their money. You may give your mother, father a lot more money. You may be a car passionate about cars. You have mm. two Alfa Romeo, three BMWs and one, you know. <laughs> and and then, then then a lot of your cash flow goes to your cars. Yeah, you got to buy a parking yeah, spot. You yes. can be... <laughs> Life is about experiences. I need to eat at the best restaurants every month. You know, you know. so everybody has different wants to use their money. Yes, yes. Life yeah. is about experiences. Yes. YOLO, I, right? Yo, yo, yeah. yes. Or I just love to be the little squirrel on POSB and save my money all the time. <laughs> so it really, everybody has different choices. Mm, mm. If you think 20K a month can pay, let you pay the 12K a month installment, you can. But then it destroys other values or other things you want. So maximum loan can be taken. But do you really need the maximum loan is what I would question. Um, of course, the amount you can pay every month is relative from a person earning 2000 to a person earning 20000 mm. Because a person earning 2000 is say 60% in salary is 1200 He only left with $800. But a person earning twenty k he's left with $8,000. Mm. So in my opinion, it really depends on the last question. Are you comfortable with the monthly installments? Does it satisfy other aspects of your life? Because... Yeah, life is about experiences. Life is about earning money to spend money and also to save money. Mm, yeah. Mm, cool. So don't just take the maximum loan because you can. Take the maximum loan because you are comfortable with the monthly installments. Mm. Hey Coconuts, if you're someone who wants to learn how to pick stocks to make passive income, this is for you. The fifth person has created a dividend investing program that teaches you how to invest for income while avoiding the companies that will go bankrupt. Thousands of people have already taken their program and are getting between 8 to 12% each year. They've just opened up a whole new intake and if you sign up through us, you'll be getting access to our members back end too, which is focused on the very thing you're interested in, investing. Learn more at thefinancialcoconut.com slash dividend. That's thefinancialcoconut.com slash dividend. Link is in the description below. I feel that when you are in the heat of the moment, sometimes it's hard to gauge whether you are comfortable in, you know, downgrading your lifestyle to pay the, the installment. Sometimes they will like overestimate their ability. They say, okay, okay, I, sh I surely can pay for this but when it happens right then eh my quality of life drops it's it's easier to say that you can drop your quality of life but it's very hard to discipline that yeah actually most of the time people end up saving less mm. so um, as you all know I was an ex-banker earning really very good money it took a lot to drop my quality or uh, my standard cost of living mm. but I was forced to because I left the bank and then I earned lesser so I had no choice mm. But a lot of people, if they earn the same amount of money, they just end up saving less because it's very hard. It takes too much discipline, you know? Yeah. Like, it really does take too much discipline, yeah. Mm, I, I know what you mean. Like, as a, as a podcaster that don't make a lot, <laughs> 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 you know, like, these days, you know, I realise I've been spending more and if I try to rope back, you know, that kind of spending habits, right, it's, it's, it's not as easy. La. Right, so I recognise that. I recognise that. Totally get that stuff. Yep. I, I think it's simple. When I was a banker, Taking Grab or taxi everywhere is normal because every appointment I go makes me money as well, right? Exactly, when I close the deal. Exactly. But when I stopped being a banker, 
I do not want to take MRT and bus. I still take Grab everywhere. Mm, mm. And that's like one part of discipline which I couldn't rope in. So, luckily in the end, I married, got kids, then got reason to buy car. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but car is still more expensive than taxi. So, yeah, it's still not good, right? Cool, yeah. cool. There have been some cooling measures they, in the market. You know, They say that more cooling measures will come out mm. soon because uh, the market is uh, growing pretty fast right now. But for the previous... Yeah, even during measures. a downturn, they also grow, right? The yeah. property yes. prices keep they going up. a lot more. I'm a bit lost, uh, but, but, but yeah. anyway, yes. Maybe people can't travel, then they just want to put money on the Many list. factors. Singaporeans quite exciting, right? Nothing to do. Hey, just buy a house, uh. let's go see viewing. I tell you, uh, <laughs> is that how it works? Uh, yes, yes and no. Eh. You know, so when you go viewing, mm. uh, I tell you, the atmosphere, the ambience, the want to buy something mm, mm. just creeps up on you. So, I told you I was looking at condos yeah, yeah. to start with, right? So me and my wife, oh, Saturday, Sunday, hey, my kids are at my mom's place. Oh, wow, free. So let's go, let's go take a ride. And then we went to a show flat. Suddenly, the show flat, I feel like buying, you know. It's so, it's so powerful. Actually, the difference is this. You see, during a recession, normally, in, we talk about investment strategies, right? Why does gold price increase? Or why does Bitcoin increase? <laughs> you know, it's mm. where people deem the safe haven of place to invest in. Because they're not going mm. to invest in stocks and shares during recession. Mm, mm. And in Singapore, brick and mortar or res- residential property is, or even commercial property is where people view that safe haven is. Mm. So I cannot make 10%, 20% taking a high risk stock now because the risk is too high. So I make 2 to 3% in the property instead. Mm. And that's why the property prices, that's in my opinion why the property prices increase. Mm. So the demand is higher than the supply, price increase. Yeah. Supply will be higher than demand only when people cannot make to the payments and are forced to sell the houses. Yeah. That's where the supply will increase, which it may happen also. That normally happens during a recession as well. It's a laggard, so it may take a while. Maybe end of the year. Maybe it never comes. I don't want to be the naysayer, you know. I know, but, I know. I but know. that's what normally happens. Lah. Yeah. I, I get your point about the property prices being a reflection of people's fear. You know? Yeah. So, But what about the cooling measures? Let's say, you know, in the previous cooling measures, do they affect your loan quantums? Yes, uh, so if we talk about cooling measures as a whole, I believe it will be implemented, but it's not going to be the same as last time. Yeah. Last time affected um, ability to invest in your second property, mm. uh, affected ability to loan. So it was a uh, TDSR literally affects your ability to loan, loan eligibility. And then uh, throughout the past eight, nine years, there was an, I think in one six or one seven, there was another cooling measure that went from 80% loan to value you only can borrow 75% today. Mm. Then last time, every property also can borrow 80%. Second property only can borrow 60%. So mm. the government understands that your first property is needed. Mm. And uh, kudos to them because everybody, they, they, their mandate is that every Singaporean owns a property, whether it's private or HDB. Mm. They are only camping down mm. on your second property. And a loan to value effect is affected when you buy your second property, as well as ABSD affects mostly second property owners for Singaporeans. Only foreigners are affected from their first property the most. PR is 5% more only. Mm-hmm. Not, not, mm-hmm. It's not good, but it's not going to kill you. Alright? Mm. Um, wait, wait. There's another uh, term there, ABSD. Additional buyer stamp duty, right? Yes. Can, can you elaborate a little bit? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, when you buy a house, um, one of the things in life you can't escape is tax. <laughs> right? So, Even if you don't buy a house, you also cannot escape tax. <laughs> can... 
<laughs> I think uh, that's the thing you totally cannot escape. <laughs> yeah, actually, even if you go down to McDonald's today, you yeah, pay GST. Yeah. Like it or not, right? So you like still gotta pay not. some yes. form of tax. Or yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you cannot escape tax in life. Uh, that's a constant. So, uh, when you buy a house, you have to pay buyer stamp duty. Mm. So, that is something that everybody has paid normally. Uh, it used to be 3%. Tiered basis, first 180k is 1%, second 180k, 2%. Then after that, it's 3%. In 2018, again, or 2017, I can't really remember the exact date, um, it became anything above 1 mil, higher tier 4%. So, the government, as you can see, is trying to make their policies affect people who buy more expensive houses. Tax the rich, lah. Tax the richer. Okay, everybody in Singapore is blessed. We are all rich. Okay, tax the richer. And then ABSD happens to be, eh, buyer stamp duty. Then got additional buyer stamp duties. Today, a foreigner needs to pay 20% higher. Because, you know, a lot of Singaporeans are complaining, well, wow, the rich people from this country in the north and this country from the south come in to buy our properties, causing the Very demand, demand to be high. Country in the north, country in the south. I mean, I don't want to do NS and tell you I, what, I, what colour yeah, land. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so um, you know, if, when people complain, then the government has to do something about it because we are, at the end of the day, protecting Singaporeans mm. or protecting even at least our permanent residents, right? So, they make them pay 20% extra. Then Singaporeans are the priority. So ABSD doesn't happen for your first property, only your second property. Mm. PRs have to pay 5% on first property. Mm. Yeah, mm. so I mean, affected the most is a, is a foreigner. La. A million dollar property, you got to pay 200,000 more. That's no joke. Literally yeah, for, no joke. For foreigners, it's very easy to just buy a million dollar property because yep. you know you cannot get access to HDB and all those kind of Co- stuff. Correct, right? so correct. Essentially, you're, you're being priced into the market. Correct. Right? And there's this one thing that's changing also in the property market, which is a cyborg. Right, so cyborg is coming to an end, yeah. you know, and uh, people are thinking like Sora will replace it, right? So yes. well, all these terms, uh, again, <laughs> Singapore love uh, PIE, SLE, all the <laughs> short short terms. Okay, so so um, can you help us understand what what is going to change here? Is is it just another way of evaluating interest rates or? Yes. Okay. So firstly, cyborg and Sora has nothing to do with mortgage at all. Mm. It is transparent. Uh, separate rates and that is why when used for mortgage we know that it's a fair rate it's a transparent rate although it can fluctuate very high and low it is based on market conditions it cannot say the bank cheat me mm, or mm, our, somebody cheat me no it's market conditions so mm. explaining explanation of cyber obviously I've done it for the past decade I may explain that easily first okay Singapore Interbank Offered Rate SIBOR is a rate that is defined as what banks use to borrow and lend money to each other and it's determined by ABS, which is the Association of Banks of Singapore. Yes, a lot of abbreviations in Singapore. Yes, yes. Okay, by <laughs> ABS. So, <laughs> so, why is the cyborg exist? Why do banks seek to lend and borrow money to each other? So, I'm going to give you an example. It's not a real example, it's fictional, okay? Let's say I am Citibank. I'm a foreign bank. I don't have much cash reserves in Singapore. But mm. I got $100 million of loans to disperse today. What's going to happen is that I don't have 100 million. I'm not going to go call Citibank US headquarters to give me the money, right? There's exchange risk, there is profit. You know, every country has their own profit and loss. So it's going to be troublesome. It's going to be troublesome. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to call one of the three local banks, which are sitting with a lot of reserves. Why do they sitting with a lot of reserves? Your salary crediting is probably towards a local bank 95% of the time. Mm, okay, mm. so they're sitting on a lot of cash. DBS is going to lend Citibank at Cyborg. 
if DBS is going to lend Citibank for three months, DBS is going to charge Citibank three months cyber. If they're going to lend Citibank for six months, they're going to charge Citibank six months cyber, etc., etc. And that's the fee that Citibank is going to pay. So if your mortgage interest rate is cyber plus 0.8, you think about it carefully, actually Citibank's profit is 0.8. They have to pay cyber to somebody else. Mm, right? Mm, mm. Yeah, so that's what cyber is, the interbank offered rate. So banks need to borrow and lend money to each other. Mm. Then, Sora is not created today, you know. It has been around as well. Mm. Sora is the overnight lending rate of institutions, not just banks. So why do institutions need to borrow money from each other as well? Singapore overnight rate average. Ah, rate ah, average. Okay, yes. Thank you, Reggie. Yes, continue. Thank you, Google. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Singapore overnight rate average. So when you trade on the US market to uh, in the night through a platform like UOB Khen, okay, or IG Trading. Not sponsored. <laughs> okay, not sponsored. So let's talk. Let's say all the brands. Yeah, so yeah, to make it <laughs> Yes, Philip yes. Securities and okay, okay, enough, enough. Okay, so when you use a platform to trade, it's overnight. When you do margin or you trade on a leverage, where does your leverage come from? There's no institution open up in the night to lend you the money to let you invest, right? So there is a lending process behind the scenes as well. And the interest rate, the average of the overnight interest rate is Sora. Mm. So it's also a lending and borrowing interest rate which is based on market demand and supply, mm. supply of cash flow and demand of the interest, of, okay. of the money, right? At the end of the day, these are still borrowing rates which are transparent. And if you look at the graph, if there, I have a graph of Sora versus Cyborg, right? They are parallel to each other. Mm. So in my opinion, the risk of both rates are the same. Mm. But since the government doesn't want to let us use Cyborg anymore, uh, perhaps maybe now your next loan you take Sora instead because you can still take Cyborg. Cyborg, even when Cyborg rates are not available in the market, your Cyborg rate still exists. But once the MAS says no more Cyborg, let's destroy that rate. That's where the bank has the right to change you to any rate they like. And mm -hmm. that's where you run the risk that the bank will bring you to a lousier rate. So if you take Sora today, the next time you refinance, the next time you buy a house, I would say don't take Cyborg today. Lah. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But yeah, there's okay. not much difference on the graph, on cool, the fluctuations. Cool. Yeah. Nice, nice. But as the name implies, like overnight rate, does it change overnight? Or is it like okay. Cyborg doesn't change overnight? Cyborg changes like the stock market every minute, every second. Oh, okay. Sora okay. also changes overnight. Mm, mm, okay, mm, because mm, overnight average. Yeah. But there's three months Cyborg, there's 30 days Sora. There's 60 days Sora, there's 90 days Sora, depending on what banks want to use, what, what yeah. number. That gets very complicated already as we okay. go down that discussion. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I give you the layman way of explaining. Huh? Mm. I don't care if okay, today is 15th of April. If you take 3 months cyborg today or 30 days Sora today, I don't care what happens 3 months cyborg for the next 3 months. Up and down, I don't want to care. Yeah. Your cyborg rate is on 15 April. April to May, May to June, June to July. On 15 July, we take the new rate. So in between these two timings, Whatever fluctuations of cyborg, you don't need to care. I'm only caring about two days and then 15 July and then every three months, I will assess that rate on that day. Yeah. So that's what the three months cyborg is. That's what 30 days Sora is. I only assess your new Sora 30 days later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to care about the daily fluctuations. You only care about a monthly number. Yeah. 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 So since we are on this fixed rate, right? For mortgage, I know that there's this uh, fixed rate interest and then uh, floating rate interest. So how, how would you, you know, elaborate on this? Like, like how should normal people, you know, evaluate how they are going to use which rate? 
Okay, I feel that if anybody calls a mortgage consultant, calls mortgage master, um, we will then be able to advise you and explain to you all these rates. So the first thing everybody has to understand, why do I care about floating rates where I only want to take fixed rates? For example, if somebody asks that question, because in Singapore, no fixed rate is forever. There is a two-year fixed rate, a one-year fixed rate, a three-year fixed rate, a five-year fixed rate, and that's the limit today. So even if you take a five-year fixed rate, on the six-year is a floating rate. And understanding what floating rate you go into, even if you say, I'll refinance after that, understanding what it goes into actually may save you money. For example, if I believe that Cyborg three years ago will be low, and my, after my fixed rate is finished, I, want, I don't mind being in Cyborg. Actually, today your Cyborg rate will be cheaper than your fixed rate. Because maybe at that point of time, three years ago will be like 1.8% three years fixed, and then Cyborg plus 0.8. Cyborg plus 0.8 is 1.2 only today. So why I don't need to refinance today. But then if you choose a bought rate or a rate that is not, not transparent, uh, maybe three years later, your rate is 4%. So you are forced to refinance. Don't you want choices even though you probably will refinance? I think the choices that people have is actually a privilege. So make sure you, you take that privilege when you can and understand what you're going to be into next time. Then you ask me, what should people take? A fixed rate or a floating rate? Huh? It really depends on your view of the market. So... A floating rate means you view that the market recession will continue and interest rates will stay low. Um, the market is really very weird right now because interest rates are supposed to stay low, but then US Treasury rates increase, causing Cyborg to have a small increase. Mm -hmm. So it, the, the, the world economy is weird. But in general, interest rates may stay low and you believe that a recession is here to stay. For example, Cyborg stayed low from 2009 to 2016. That is six years of low. Then take Cyborg today. But at the same time, you already missed the boat. Okay. Cyborg plus a spread is the rate. So, for example, today Cyborg is 0 0.4 plus 0 0.8, you get 1.2. Cyborg in 2019 was 2%. That's mm. how high it can fluctuate. Huh? Mm. To sell loans in 2019, banks had to take Cyborg plus 0 0.4. I have even banks who gave Cyborg plus 0 0.1. Which mm. means if you, at that point, 2% plus 0 0.1 is 2.1. Two years later, now you're paying 0 0.4 plus 0 0.1. You're only paying 0.5%. That boat has sailed. Because those who dare to take Cyborg during the high, believing it would drop, today are saving a lot of money. But they took the risk of taking a Cyborg rate when it was high. And it could have risen even higher. Fair. Yeah, fair. yeah so they took that risk, right? Um, but today, now the interest rates are 1.2, 1.3. Cyborg is 0.4. So do, I'm a bank. Do I need to tell you Cyborg plus 0.1? Don't need Cyborg plus 0 0.8 equals 1.2. That's the loan I offer you today. Mm. So you cannot get the plus 0 0.1 anymore. Mm. So now, if you believe interest rates are going to stay low, you may take that, you know, still. But if I tell you a fixed rate is 1.25, then 1.25 versus 1.2 is too minute a difference. Even though you believe that the market is going to stay low, sometimes a 0.05% risk I'll just take the fix, lah. You know, I don't mm. want to even have any border border with risk mm. at all. So, mm. depends on your preference, your risk preferences, depending on your market outlook, and depending on how you understand the market as well. Mm. Um, and that's why consultants like us will tell you some history, like you know, Cyborg stayed low for so long. This is what happened before. Then you have mm. a better, more information to make your choice with, la. Yeah. Mm. That's why you pay for professional advice. <laughs> Reggie, <laughs> my service is free. <laughs> you don't even need to pay. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a discussion for another day, yes? <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so on, the, on the idea of, uh, of deciding on your mortgage rates, right? Whether is it fixed, whether is it floating, 
Then it, everything that we've discussed from the start till now, at least yes. the one question, do we refinance? All right? So it's like, when do I refinance? When do I just kind of hold it there or like, what, what, what should I do, right? Because um, essentially, this is why we're here. <laughs> yes, you should refinance to avoid overpaying your home loan. Mm, mm. Um, but there are some occasions that people don't need to and it's few and far and few between. For example, if you took a loan in one nine, normally people refinance in two to three years' time. Uh, if you took a loan in because it's two years lock in or three years lock in la. I took a loan in one eight or one nine. That's when cyber was high. If I took a cyber rate then, which was rare, uh, the only people who dared to take the cyber rates at that point of time were my friends because I told them to, hmm. and some people who work in the finance industry who really really had to based on their pure belief that recession is coming. Because everybody else is conservative. Even people were taking 2.45, 3 years fix in mm. one nine. Mm. So people who took take 2.45, today your interest rate can go to 1.18, 1.2. You confirm a refinance. Yeah. But if you were in Cyborg 3 years ago, you don't need to refinance because the anomaly happened. Mm. right? Your interest rates are so low right now. You probably need to refinance, like I said, 6 years later when Cyborg goes back to 2%, then okay, before that happens, go and lock in a 1.8. Because the market average is between 1.6 to 1.8 normally. Mm. And then it only goes very high. It was only high in 1.9. It was only low this year. Do you think it will stay low forever or stay high forever? No. So these are the anomaly timings where weird things happen. Today, like I said, if you can take 1.8% is a norm. If I get you a 1.4% 5 years fix, you say, hey, why so high? Outside can get 1.2, 1.18. Because 1.45 years average out versus 1.18 three years and then 1.8 the next two years is cheaper. So it depends whether you want the hassle or not. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for clarity. I think. Thanks, uh, Reggie. Thanks, Troy. Yeah, Thank we, we all are a lot of good stuff. Lot, yeah. And yeah, have a, have a great time together. See you <laughs> around. Take care, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Hey. Thanks for taking time to tune in. I hope you have learned a little bit more about property investing today. If you feel like you have benefited from this podcast, do share this with your loved ones. And also, do follow us on all our socials and join our community telegram group and tell us what you're interested to know about next. Everything is in the description below. Have a great day, hey guys, and always remember, when we are better prepared, the next opportunity is just around the corner. See you next time. Why is mortgage so important? Okay, I'll give my take, lah, but, but I'm not a professional. I'm just a pragmatist. You know, I've given a little thought about this and let's give you a real life situation, okay? Let's say you decided to buy a property with your partner, be it for your own stay or investment. You don't really understand about mortgage loans and your agent just brings it up casually at the start, helps you calculate your max loan based on your income, CPF and your other debt payments and then you go to find your property. So for the next three months, you know, you go high and low in search for your property. You spend so much time and effort every weekend, every spare time that you have, even on weekday nights. And you finally manage to find something you like. But it requires you maxing out your mortgage loan. Seems simple enough, right? Your agent already helped you calculate it. You can afford this. You should go for it. But what you probably neglected was how biased that decision was. Why? Let me explain. There's too much assumptions involved here and one of the major ones is are you really going to scream and live a thrifty lifestyle for the next 10 to 20 years just to max out your loan and pay off this? Are you sure you can? On paper, you can. But you're human after all, right? 
there's such a thing called sunk cost bias. Like it or not, it's in all of us. And what do I mean by sunk cost bias? When you've invested so much of your time, your energy, let's say for the past three months into this property, you won't just let it go. I mean, there's some emotions involved. It is not just a property anymore. It's, it's a little bit part of you. And now, even if you can't afford that, you try to rationalize to buy it somehow, whether you go borrow it or you tell yourself, actually, I can live a thrifty lifestyle for the next 10 to 20 years. Many people don't take into consideration real-life context, your emotions, your lifestyle, when they only think about the finances after they find a property. Of course, after you go to the showroom, it's going to look good and you spend so much effort. Of course, you want to buy it. You rationalize it. If it really requires you living like a hermit just to pay off this, do you think life will be good for the next 10 to 20 years? How do you think your quality of life will be like? Just think about it. Just think about it, man. But let's say the second situation happens whereby you found the home of your dreams and you just can't afford it. Chances are your agent will come up with a smaller property or, or one that's further away and squeeze a nice story with some stats to tell you that this one also fits the bill for whatever you are searching for. But the question is, why didn't they recommend you that in the first place? I'm not saying they're evil, they just have different biases going on. So as you can see, there are too many assumptions and personal biases, both from yourself and the agent. When your mortgage loan isn't focused on early on and too much effort is invested in the property searching process, search events tend to happen. But like how the saying goes, it doesn't matter how far you go if you're on the wrong track. The same goes for properties. It doesn't matter how much you invest your time searching for it if you can't anchor your finances from the start. The agent probably doesn't tell you it's not because they are bad. They're just trained in selling properties. They're not trained in breaking down your lifestyle and factoring that into mortgages. But as you can see when you look at your life, mortgages and finances isn't as simple as plucking out numbers and coming out with a max out mortgage loan because you're humans, man. You have life. Buying properties can be seen as a savings plan, but so is being a hermit. But does that mean you're going to be a hermit to save? Let's be a bit more pragmatic. Let's be a bit more realistic. Don't torture yourself and your family so much if you don't have to. But if you want to, then go ahead. You really have to take into consideration your projected lifestyle because everyone lives differently. I don't think there's a fixed amount you know, for your mortgage loan. There's a fixed percentage. But you have to find out what's your buffer. And... Only then, after taking those buffers into consideration, then can your finances be more accurate. If people just tell you to, hey, just go for the max out loan, uh, I just don't think that, that that's realistic enough, but that's just my take. Lah. What I feel that the smarter choice is always to calculate what you're eligible for at the start, anchor it down, and choose the best property based on that. Start your property searching journey only after you've anchored your finances. There might be situations where you'll be pushed to spend a little bit more. But for that, I mean, nobody can tell you whether you should break your anchor. You should decide how far you can stretch. But the majority of people do the opposite. They search for the properties first and squeeze whatever it takes to buy the property after they decided they like this property. And that's where the devil comes into the picture. You, you'll definitely save yourself a lot of trouble if you do your finances upfront and anchor on that. That, that's just my opinion. You can take it with a pinch of salt or you can give it more thought in the future when you want to buy a property. That's it for today. I'll see you next time.